Well, good morning to each of you. We've, we've been looking at the theme of our church, the vision or mission statement of our church, which is glorify God and make disciples. And uh, <clears throat> last Sunday we looked at glorify God, and this morning we want to look at making of disciples. Um, the thing I pointed out to you last week was that this uh, mission statement of our church, Glorify God and Make Disciples, uh, reaches upward toward God, glorify God, and it also reaches outward toward man, make disciples. It is the two primary motivations of the Christian, toward God, toward others. And uh, we saw last week that the glory of God is at the core of the Old Testament when it comes to teaching the purposes of God for His creation, all creation. Uh, And that God is aiming for His glory. You can get that, I think it's online, and pick that up um, and listen to that, catch up with us. Um, And that is rooted in Old Testament teaching. Now, make disciples is rooted in New Testament teaching. So you're really... Uh, not only glorifying God or reaching uh, vertically but horizontally but you're also combining the two testaments, the two covenants together with this mission statement. So the more I've looked at it over the months uh, I, I have a deep feeling that this is truly a balanced biblical healthy mission statement for our church. So let's look at this issue of making disciples. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew 28, probably familiar passage to uh, many of you, but Matthew chapter 28 and uh, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now this is right after his resurrection and Jesus has now been granted by the Father power over every power. Every demon, every sickness, every thunderclap, every lightning bolt, there is nothing that is not under the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Now he goes on, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples, or literally, going, therefore, he's assuming they're going to be going somewhere, and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups. That means uh, the Indians, uh, Africans, the Americans, the Spanish, an ethnic group, different cultures, different languages. This is the basis of our missions. He says, go therefore make disciples of all ethnos, ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a very mission-oriented passage of Scripture after his resurrection. And it is uh, breathtaking 
uh, all nations, all ethnic groups, cross every language barrier, every culture barrier, uh, and don't stop until all of them have been discipled. So it's an incredible and intriguing challenge that he lays out to his disciples. Now, a close look at this text shows us that, this, that there's only one single command, uh, one imperative that is given to us here. Uh, these are, verse 19, when he says go, that's actually, in the Greek text, not a command. It's actually an I-N-G word, a participle, going. He's assuming you're going to be going. I'm not even sure that he means to go and particularly do this. He just means they're going to be leaving the mountain as you go. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's what I want you to do. Um, Go. uh, Also, baptize is not a command. It's also an I-N-G word. He's assuming when you become identified with Christ, part of that is baptizing. And then verse 20 is teaching, I-N-G word again. Those are all participles. The only imperative, the only command that is given in what is called the Great Commission is in verse 19. Go and make disciples. That's not a participle. It's not an I-N-G word. It's a command from the Lord Jesus Christ in whom is all authority in heaven and earth. So what's the difference in making disciples and evangelism? Well, sometimes you can evangelize. Sometimes you can witness to somebody. And maybe they receive Christ. Maybe they don't. But that's evangelism. Uh, Sometimes we'll have a big dinner and invite people, neighbors, friends. That's outreach. But it's not discipleship necessarily. So what is discipling? What is it that we are told to do? Uh, And before we leave this, let me give you the four areas of this, what's called the Great Commission. Here's four things in this Great Commission. One is encouragement. He says, all authority is given to me. See, you need that because... His vision is so great, all nations. Uh, He wants us to know, make no small plans. Let your dreams be incredibly big and ambitious because all authority is given to me. I can summon resources to help you. God can give you... When I was in Texas uh, years ago as a pastor... We needed $10,000, and this was 30, over 30 years ago, and $10,000 was a fortune. And God led us, we prayed, He provided for us uh, that $10,000 to the absolute astonishment of the church, and especially me. <laughs> and. and And I remember God speaking to my heart at that time and says, you know, if I can give you 10,000, I can give you a million. 
I thought, oh man, I hope I don't have to pray and believe God for a million because <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. But the God who can give 10,000 can give a million. Amen? Yes, he can. So there is an encouragement. He says, all authority is given to me. I can summon the resources. I can subpoena the angels. And I can get protection for you from every direction. You leave the hard, the impossible part with me. So that's the encouragement. The other is the imperative. Make disciples. And as I mentioned, that is the only command in the text. In other words, it is the one thing we're to focus on. is to make a disciple. And then the third thing is the method of it. And I've, I've got two, but uh, after I finish this, I noticed there's three. The method by which you make disciples are in the ING words. These are all participles. Going, outreach efforts, baptizing, when they become a Christian, they're to be baptized. He didn't say make them into a Baptist. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. He didn't say make them into a Methodist. He said baptize them. Being baptized doesn't mean you're a Baptist. It means you're following Jesus. The, the method by which you make disciples is going, baptizing, and teaching. Particularly teaching all that Jesus said. The New Covenant teaching, the Sermon on the Mount teaching, the heart-felt uh, teaching of His parables and, and His uh, exhortations and admonitions. Those are the things that come from Jesus. So He says, uh, going, baptizing, teaching. That's the method by which we make disciples. And then the promise of it, I'll be with you all the time. Just when you get discouraged, I'll encourage you. Uh, just when you think you've run out of resources, I'll give you some more. I'll never leave you. That promise that he would never forsake them, but he would be with them, that promise is given in the context of a people who are carrying out the Great Commission. Amen. So the Great Commission here is not actually soul-winning, or evangelism, or giving out tracts, although all of those things are important, but the Great Commission is one thing. Make disciples. Jesus made disciples, setting the example, Matthew 10, 1, He called unto Him His twelve disciples. Uh, and a lot of people had disciples, John the Baptist had disciples, Mark 2.18, which also even says that the Pharisees had disciples. Here's what it says. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came to him and said to Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but yours do not? So even Pharisees had disciples. To be a disciple simply meant you took a group of students or a group of people who embrace your beliefs. And so Jesus, in the same manner as John the Baptist, same manner as the Pharisees, same manner as any of the rabbis, he, would, he gathered around him 12. 
And it says this about them. This is Mark chapter 3, verse 14. He selected or ordained, or it doesn't mean ordination service like we think, but he chose 12 that they should be with him, and then he sent them out. Now notice those three things in Mark three fourteen. He chose 12, he selected them, and then he chose them that they should be with him. You can't disciple somebody with just showing up on Sunday morning one time every couple of weeks and greeting them. Discipleship only works when you spend time with the person. He chose them that they should be with him. And he took them everywhere. He did everything with them. They got to know him. He modeled for them what he wanted them to be as well as teaching them and in the private conversations. And he sent them. That is, he sent them to do what he was doing to reproduce who he was and what he came for in their own life. So those are the three things in Mark 3, 14. He chose them, that they would be, they spent time with them, and then he sent them out to reproduce him. And these disciples are given high priority. Now listen to this. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says that Jesus was teaching on this occasion. He's in this house teaching. And uh, his disciples were there and some others were gathered around. And his mother and his brothers had heard that Jesus was teaching and he was saying some pretty weird things to a first century Jewish mind. Like, you, you want to follow me, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. You know, okay. So his mother and his brothers decided they better go talk to him. They were concerned about him. They thought he was a little bit off. They did. It says that. So they went, and they were outside where he, Jesus is inside teaching, and uh, uh, someone walked up to Jesus as he's teaching there, and they said, uh, Jesus, your mother is out, out there to see you. Now, if your mother came to see you and you were at work, what would you do? You'd drop what you're doing. Go see mama. Hey, wouldn't we? And Jesus said this. said, uh, this is Matthew 12, 49. Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said... Here's my mother. Here's my brothers. For he said, Whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and mother and sister. You know what Jesus is saying? Disciples have priority over his own family. That's what he's doing there. He is is showing us that to make disciples... You've got to be all in. It's an emotional drain and a financial investment, and it takes everything you are because you are elevating those people that you're discipling to a dignity they have not had before. They, some of these disciples were low-income low fishermen. They were uh, tax collectors. 
rejected by society. And here Jesus has taken them in and he has, he has dignified them. He, they have now become identified with the kingdom of God and the Messiah. He's lifted them up. They are privileged people. And so um, this is what it requires if we are to make disciples. It is an investment of all we are and, a, and it is an elevating of who they are. Remember that when Jesus began to make disciples, he wrote no books, he wasn't on television, there were no telephones so he couldn't text them, um, there were no computers, and this was before Al Gore invented the internet. Uh, and there was no denominational support. And yet Jesus made disciples that in the book of Acts it says these are those who changed the world, turned the world upside down. The power was not so much in the people, but in the method by which he changed their life. And I think it's discipleship. And that's why discipleship was his plan. So that at, at the end, just before he goes back, here's the one thing I want to tell you. Go make disciples. So we are right on base when we say that our mission statement is not only to glorify God, but make disciples. The key word, I think, is that God wants Christianity to expand by multiplication, not addition. Multiplication is when not I simply add someone to me, but I add someone who then adds someone who then adds someone. In other words, it's exponential growth. It's not simply increase, but it's exponential growth. It is the way God told Adam and Eve to have dominion. Listen, Genesis 1.22. God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. How do you actually reach the earth? Through multiplication. In other words, Adam and Eve were not responsible for having all the people that are on the earth. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve had children. Those children had children. Their children had children. While Adam and Eve had other children whose children had children whose children had children. And on and on. That's exponential growth. This is the thing that scares the enemy. Multiplication, which discipleship does. When the people begin to disciple their children or other Christians and other people, and the whole body of Christ is involved in discipleship. That scares the enemy. Listen to Exodus chapter 1, verse 9. Pharaoh said to his people in Egypt, the people of Israel are mightier than we. Let's deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. Multiplication is what scared Pharaoh. If I can give you an illustration from the uh, world of the, the cat family. 
Let's say that there are only two cats in all the world. Only two. Pull up my cat picture. Ah. Let's say there, what would you do? If there's only two cats in all the world, what do you do? Kill them? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> hey, uh, okay. So, if, and this is generally speaking, if each couple or each pair of cats has two litters per year, that's normal, and each litter is three per litter, the first year you have 12 cats. So it's not bad. You know, the world can live with 12 cats. In the second year, though, with two litters per year, three per litter, you have 66 cats. See, they're exponentially multiplying. The fifth year is 12,680. The seventh year, 420,715. And in the tenth year, you have 80,399,000 feline friends running around acting like they own the place. (laughs) Ten years through exponential growth, you have 80 million cats. Now that is multiplication. That's not addition. Satan worries about the church catching the vision of multiplication and exponential growth. In the New Testament, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he had 12 disciples. Now in the Old Testament, what you would do is, and this is Exodus 18.25, Uh, God told Moses in Exodus 18, divide the people up into thousands, hundreds, and the smallest unit was ten. And and today, in a synagogue, you can't have a synagogue or public worship without at least ten, based on Exodus 18. So what they would do is, if if they would take one rabbi and... and, uh, Ten would be able, each one tithing, would then be able to support a salary. That's the way they would do it. So Jesus makes these 12 disciples, and he ascends back to heaven. By the way, that ten is called a minion, still used today. M-I-N-Y-A-N. It's like a little mini synagogue. And those 12 disciples, he sends them out... And guess what? At the end of 40 days, in Acts 1.15, you count, he says, the number of the names who had gathered were Christian, following Christ, that had gathered in the upper room were 120. You know what that means? That means each disciple had 10 discipleship. They were 10 discipleship groups. Each disciple was a spiritual leader and a disciple maker. When he told them in Matthew 28, go make disciples, they did that. And within six weeks, they had 120. That's why in Acts 6.1, it says the disciples multiplied. 
and in Acts 6-7 that the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. So multiplication, even in Acts 9-31, it says the church is multiplied. So you have this just exponential, explosive growth because discipleship was at the core and was the vision of Jesus that he passed on to his people. I'll give you one other verse. And that is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Look at this. 2 Timothy 2, 2. This is Paul writing to the young Timothy, who's probably a pastor at Ephesus, and here is what he says to Timothy. He's, he, this is actually Paul, Paul's last letter. So just as Jesus had a last commission to give to his disciples, Paul has a final commission to give to his Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 2.2, but what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice how it goes to four generations here. Paul says, what you heard from me, that's Paul, that's one generation. What you heard from me, Timothy, that's the second Teach others also. Share with faithful men. Timothy, you're to teach others. That's the third generation. Who will then be able to teach others. That's four. In other words, it goes from one generation to the next. And that is not only what Jesus left as the commission, but what Paul left Timothy as the commission. Making disciples. So we are right on target, dear church. This is what we're supposed to do. Our priority is glorifying God because that's the reason for which God made everything. And our our vision statement, our mission statement is make disciples because that is the core of what Jesus and the apostles tell us to do.